Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Go ahead and stand up with me. It's good to be known by God, isn't it? It's good to be known by your neighbor. I want you to do me a favor. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, in the meantime. Have you, ever, have you ever had that happen to you? Somebody look at you, well, while you're taking a break, in the meantime, do this. Or maybe it's like, well, in the meantime, I'll accomplish this. That's what we're going to talk about today is in the meantime. And I want to start out with verse 31 of chapter 40 um, in Isaiah. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is a great promise. Amen. Father, our hearts are bowed to you today. Illuminate our hearts by your Holy Spirit with your word that we could be different than when we walked in. We could be encouraged. We could have that, fan, that flame fanned inside of us, God. So when we go out into the world, we can do what you've, accomplished, what you've called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everyone says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wave at your neighbor if you would. I'm very, very glad you're here this morning. We're going to look at chapters, uh, chapter 40 of Isaiah, verses 27 through 31. Um, we're going to break it down as we go. And my heart is simple today, that for you guys who are in a holding pattern or in a waiting pattern, I don't want you to be discouraged. It's very normal to be in that place. But what matters is what we do when we're there. And what also matters that helps us do what we need to do when we're there is what we know will happen when we do what we know to do. Amen? When we wait like we're supposed to wait, then we know good things will come. One of the hardest jobs to me would be a waiter or a waitress. Can I get an amen on that? I just, it would be one of the hardest. You serve people, and it, they're not happy. It doesn't matter what you do. The food's too hot. The food's too cold. There's not enough ice in my cup. There's too much ice in my cup. Well, I didn't want sweet tea. I wanted regular tea. But whenever you come back, I need two packs of trivia. It's the same thing. It's sweet tea. It's sweet tea, man. I saw one guy point to his wife. I won't say anything. I won't even look over in that direction towards Matt. So, <laughs> no, the truth is it's hard waiting. It's one of those things where it doesn't matter what you do. Sometimes people are just not going to be happy. And then you get into a situation like us as believers and we leave church and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We go to the table and we, tweet, we treat waitresses and waiters like that. Mm, and then we tip a quarter. And I wonder if they don't look at us and say, I ain't never going to church if that's what Christianity's about. Oh, man, waiting's hard. Being a waiter or a waitress, you might say, Matt, it sounds like you've been a waiter before. Oh, no, no, I used to be on the other end of that. I was rude. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. God changes you, though. Thank God for that. Even after you get saved, he's still works working on us, isn't he? I remember with my wife, the first year we were married, I embarrassed her. She said, I want the credit card. I want the money. I'm going to leave the tip. You're too cheap, Matt. <laughs> Tell me how you feel, sweetheart. Tell me how you feel. And I learned through her generosity, though. I learned about understanding people who serve you if you're gracious and generous back to them. You know, they don't spit in your food and things like that, right? <laughs> All those things that we fear that we never really say. But I remember that. I remember for the first year or so, she taught me, and she would, she would teach me those type of things. But waiting's hard. 
And here in the scripture where we pick up, they've been waiting the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, which is really a neatly divided book. And then from 40 on, we see the first 39 is about what happens whenever you're rebellious against God. See, the message doesn't change in the book. The tone does change for sure, and it does start giving us hope. Uh, God does through the prophet Isaiah. In the first 39 chapters, it talks about what happens when you're rebellious, when you're a heathen, when you know what you need to do because you're in the Lord's presence or you're trying to follow Him and you don't do what you need to do. How many of us know there's still consequences for that? But then all of a sudden hope shows up and we see in chapter 40 and we begin to see that in, in a lot of ways it's really a prophetic statement of the coming of Jesus the first time. Now this is relevant for us today because how many of us are looking for Jesus to come a second time? And we're in that period of waiting and we're saying, God, we're anticipating that one day you're going to come back and you're going to gather us all up. Now, we all have different ways that we might feel that that happens. But one thing that we can agree on is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, will come back. But we're in that holding pattern. But in the same light, let's take the diamond or let's take scripture, which is like a diamond. And when you hold it up and you turn it just a little bit, you see a new reflection. And what I want to do this morning as we hold it up, I want it also to encourage us in our everyday life because God will call us to points in our life where we should wait. We should wait on the Lord. But those who wait upon the Lord. See, it's a select group. It doesn't say everybody's going to wait, does it? That's not what Scripture says. It says, but those who wait. Now, that's inclusive and exclusive because the ones who don't wait, they don't get the promise. But the ones of us who wait does get the promise. And the encouraging thing about that is that we can choose to wait or we can choose not to wait. Have you ever done something out of haste too quickly and it backfired on you, turned totally, totally wrong? Oh, yeah. Some of you guys are thinking, yeah, right now I can tell you about ten times that has happened. We don't want to get in a hurry, and that's difficult because we live in a generation. And that's one of the hard things about even speaking today because I understand that we are the microwave generation. And we're learning how to even do it quicker than microwaves. Sometimes two-minute popcorn in the microwave is just too long. I'll just go to Walmart and buy it. <laughs> so I understand, and that's what makes it so difficult. Because it's human nature. It's human nature, but in the waiting, so many times we also feel lonely. And it's difficult because, God, where are you? And in Scripture, we see that the Israelites, where are you, God? What are you doing? And we're going to learn about some of those attitudes that happens whenever we're in the waiting period. And why, you say, well, Matt, why does it happen? Because we're human. We have the human tendencies and emotions and feelings and all these different things that we grapple with. What separates us from the world is simply this, that we don't want to stay like the world. We're in the world, we're not of the world. So I need to be what I'm of, and I'm of God, right? Because we're children of the Most High God. So we need to look more and more like Him every day. And here in that, it talks about this waiting that sometimes you just have to halt the brakes and you're in a pattern and you're in a place where you feel like, God, where are you? What's going on? God, are you doing anything in my life? And I want to encourage you, even before we start here, spoiler alert, that God may have you right where he wants you because he's trying to put something inside of you that you're going to need for that next place in your life. But it only comes through going what you're going through. And this is the next good news. Matt, I didn't cause this. We've all faced things that we didn't cause. But then we rely on the scripture that says simply, all things work to the good of those who are called. So it's a win-win. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be fun. Many times it'll be more difficult than we can imagine, so we wait. 
Let's go ahead and read some scripture here. Let's start out at verse 27, Isaiah. We're going through 31. Here, Isaiah, you can tell that his tone begins to change. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right hand is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And as we read this scripture text, it shows us some things that we have to do in the midst of waiting. Some of the things that Isaiah calls out his nations for and saying, listen, you haven't been doing what you've needed to do in this pattern of waiting. And really, as he calls out the nation, and a lot of it is because it's your fault, because you've been rebellious, because you've turned your back on God, because you've done things that you know was not right in the sight of God, and now you're in this predicament. Ever been there before? Of course we have. We've all prayed that prayer. Oh God, I know I got myself into this mess, but if you could swoop down and take me out, that'd be okay too. Because we're human, that's what happens. But in the midst of waiting, what do we do? In the midst of saying, God, I know that you're doing something, so I'm trying to look around and see what you're trying to do. A couple things here. The first thing that I see is simply this, that in the waiting we have to work. We have to work in the waiting. There's no other way around it. As you look at what we just read, it shows out through it that you're going to need strength. You're going to renew your strength. Why would you need renewal of strength? Because that means strength is going out of our body. That means we're doing something. Whatever God has called us to do, we're doing something. Sometimes we get the wrong impression of waiting. Whenever we wait for our wives and for our daughters, this is how we wait sometimes. Anybody else do that? That's a really bad plan because now you're trapped in the car with them for two hours. I've gotten way smarter over the years. I just walk out the front door, sit in the car. I'm like, oh, they'll be here when they get here. It'll be all right. You know? Then sometimes I forget to put the dogs up and I hear about that. But it's still better than the other one. Sometimes that's what we think with waiting. Oh, I'm just sitting back and God just waiting for your blessings to fall on me. But that's not what Scripture's talking about here. Scripture's talking about, listen, you're going to need some strength renewed as you're waiting. The eagle, as it circles above and it waits for its opportunity to dive bomb prey or to go down and pick up whatever it needs to pick up. There's a massive amount of energy, if you will, that's being used just as they're in rotation and they're flying around. Now, not near as much as it is whenever they're taking off because that's when the most amount of energy is being taken. Whether you're in a plane or a rocket or even a bird, as they fly up in the air, a massive amount of energy is being taken. But even to go up there and soar while they're looking for prey and go around and around and around and they're waiting for their opportunity to dive bomb. And did you know eagles, whenever they see their prey, they can fly down 75 to 100 miles per hour. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing to me because it takes less energy to do that than to go back down. And this is what I was thinking in our lives so many times... We burn so much energy going chasing things that we don't need to be chasing. Instead of waiting 
and just doing the work that we know we need to do. We're trying to get out of the work that we know that we need to do. Something shiny over here, I'm going to chase it. Oh, this looks better. The grass is greener on the other side. I'm going to go get it. It's like this with the single person who is waiting. I'm going to step on some toes, so be ready. The single person who is waiting for that person in the, in the right relationship, and they think the way to do it is I'm going to go out here and try five or six other relationships. That way, whenever the right one comes along, I really know what I'm looking for. The only difficulty about that is that person is usually emotionally burned by the time that right person comes around, and they don't have opportunity because they've missed it because they've used all their energy in their relationships. Amen, Pastor Matt. It's true. It's what happens. You've got a job, and it's a good one. Might not be where you want to be, but it's decent. You're making a living. You're paying bills. Your kids get a new pair of shoes on occasion. You know, the older I get, the less things I figure out just makes me happy. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's a new pair of shoes gets it done, man. But we're so busy looking over the fence at other things, what's out there, what's next, what next, that we're missing our opportunity and we're wasting energy. And whenever that opportunity pops up, we're burnt, we're wasted, we're tired. We can't do what we need to do because we haven't done what we've needed to do. And it's just the work. Now that takes energy. And this is the thing. We swoop down and we go do something we don't need to do because God didn't give us permission and we take off again and we do it again and then we wonder God why in the world have you not renewed my strength why in the world would God renew our strength so we could go out and do something else silly again he's not into delivering us from problems that we make after problems we make after problems we make after problems we make amen now there will be certain deliverance that will happen but many times it's not like that so we sit back and we do the work that we know that we need to do, the monotonous work that takes energy. But in that moment of waiting, whenever we're doing it His way and we're doing the work the right way, we come to Him and we say, God, I'm at the end of my ropes. I don't know what else I can do. It's what Paul said when he said, whenever you've done everything else to stand, you stand. You don't quit. You don't take a day off. You don't back up. You stay put and keep doing what you're doing because God will renew your strength. You'll sit back and say, wow, how in the world am I even able to keep functioning? This relationship is broken. I lost my job. doesn't look like I have enough money. Yet I sit here in peace and you say how can I keep going it's because the spirit of God renews our strength amen but we keep working he renews us don't stop doing what you know to do you're in the wait you're in the dark period you're in a tough time don't don't stop we see here that in the waiting we also need to continue to worship Isaiah does something here. He calls out his people. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right hand is disregarded by my God? You see how he calls them out? He goes, why are you saying this? That's kind of gangster, you know what I mean? But that's, what, that's probably not exactly how he said it. But he calls them out. His tone changes. Why? Why are you saying this stuff? You've seen the miracles. You know that God delivers. You've seen what's happened. And if not, you've heard the story. So why are you in the place that you are? Why are you thinking? Well, because we get started concentrating on everything around us. And all of a sudden, that begins to affect our attitude. Now, instead of worshiping, we're complaining. Now, instead of worshiping, we're sitting back and finding ways to be disgruntled and saying, God, where did you go? What did you do? We lose sight. And here, Isaiah is saying, listen, Israel, this is no way to live. Verse 28, it bleeds into verse 28. Have you not known? 
have you not heard? I mean, he doesn't say, oh, you didn't know or you haven't heard. He goes, he, he says this, he says, have you not known and have you not heard? Like, what I'm about to tell you is not new news to you. It is the good news, but it's not new news. So what I'm about to tell you, you already know. So get ready for what you already need to know. How many of you have sat down with your children? And you said, guys, what I'm about to tell you, I've already told you about a hundred times. But just in case we got it lost somewhere in here, I'm going to tell you one more time to make sure we're all on the same page. You guys have done that? Yes. God is sitting down with his children and saying, I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to tell you what you already know. That you've got to do it properly. You've got to take your eyes off the things that are around you, the circumstances and the environment, which is very difficult to do. And you sit back and you say, God, I know that I know that I know who you are. See, he's shown us that we fall back and we know ourselves to a degree where we say, God, I know what you said. I know who you are. I've read scripture. I've seen the end of the story. So I sit back and regardless of what everything looks like, regardless of the waiting and the difficulty, regardless of all the stuff that comes with that, God, I will remind myself of who you are, what I have seen and what I've heard, the time that you've delivered me again and again and again. So I'll sit here and need deliverance one more time. And just because it doesn't come today or a week from now, I will not lose hope because I will remind myself that you are the deliverer. Amen. You're not a deliverer that one time shows up. You're the deliverer. That's your job. That's who you are. You can't be anything else because you deliver. You're my savior. You're my king. You're my God. That's who you are. And Isaiah is saying, have you not known, have you not heard? And this is what he says next. The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. If you're ever looking for something, why and how in the midst of my circumstance, how do I worship the Lord? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. The Lord is the everlasting God. See, he's not caught up in this hiccup of time that you and I are caught up in. He's everlasting. It's not like next year he gets a year older. Because you know what eternity plus one is? It's still eternity, amen? So he knows the beginning from the end. So he's not trapped in time like you are, you and I are. We're not reliant. He's not relying on that like you and I are. So the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. I love that. You go out and quit looking at your circumstances and environment. Instead, get out there and start looking at all the things that you can find God in. God's not, he's not playing this big game of hide and go seek. Man, you can walk outside and see God in life and say, how in the world does all of that happen? There has to be divine design. So you get out and start encouraging yourself and you start worshiping. You start looking at the ground and the trees. You start looking at other things around you and say, God, I know that my circumstances hasn't changed. I know my environment right now hasn't changed. But that still doesn't mean that you're not sovereign and that you're not moving on my behalf even though I don't see it. Find worship in the midst of waiting. What good is happening? That's a great question to ask yourself. What good is happening? I know the sickness is difficult. But as you pull up in your air-conditioned car into the air-conditioned hospital and sit down with doctors who know what they're doing, that's a lot to be thankful for. I know we might be a little short on money this week, but there's a whole lot of people in the world who don't have to worry about being short on money because they don't have any anyhow. 
They're going back to their mud hut after they climbed off their bicycle and they're going to cook an outdoor kitchen. And it's not going to be a barbecue. I mean, there's a lot to look around and be thankful for. So I will find ways to worship you. Hey, in the waiting, this is what separates us. I was talking to my friend who came down and spoke at the FCA. And he was talking about OU athletes. And he was talking about how this year one of the things that they go after is simply this. That separation is in the preparation. Whenever you show up on game day, if you really want to separate and be everything that you can be, then it's in the preparation. It's what happens behind closed doors. It's what happens when nobody can see you. See, there's a difference in being buried and being planted. Can I get an amen? See, planted means I'm looking for life. God hasn't buried you where you're at. Maybe you're planted where you're at, and he's waiting for some of that life to spring up. The only difficulty is you get dirt kicked on you either way. <laughs> but there's this thing that happens whenever you begin to blossom and begin to sprout out and begin to move up towards what God has you for, and all of a sudden you begin to see the life in your life. But until that point, we're waiting, so we worship. You have to find ways to worship in the waiting the third thing that I want to bring out before we get to the promise is weaknesses are exposed in the waiting. Oh, this is difficult. Weaknesses are exposed in the waiting. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Then it goes on and it says, even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. I mean, he includes everybody in that passage. He lets us know that, listen, it will be at the point that you find the strength when you come to the end of yourself. Notice it says, um, it says this, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he, gives, he increases strength. So it's at that point in your waiting time that you come to the end of yourself and say, I have nothing else to give. I have nothing else emotionally to give. I may not have anything else physically to give. God, I'm in this waiting pattern, this holding, and I don't know where you're at. And I just don't have anything else to give. And then all of a sudden, his might and his power shows up, and all of a sudden you begin to see the effects of that. See, I don't want you to feel like you're, not, like you're doing something wrong. These are very normal behaviors to have. These are normal feelings to have because we're trying to do it God's way and not the world's way. And God's way usually takes more time and it's a lot more difficult. That's the reason why broad is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. So we look around... In church, it's easy. Oh, man, those people are going through what we're going through. And then we get out in the world. Sometimes we're like, man, it seems like those people haven't made. And here I am doing everything in the world for God. And it seems like my life is not working out. Have you ever felt that way? Sometimes we feel that way. God, I'm paying my tithe. God, I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm doing these things that you've called me to do. I'm reading scripture over my family. And things just aren't getting better. Or God, I'm making a hand at work. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and I show up and I'm polite and I'm nice and I, I, don't, I don't laugh at the profanity or the jokes and I realize that I'm separating myself. But God, it seems like you're just, that's all I have, that's all I'm doing. Like there ain't no money increase. People for sure don't like me anymore. Well, you're in the waiting. And it's in the waiting that we find God. It's in the waiting that our weaknesses are revealed. That he has us there so those weaknesses can surface because he wants to deal with them there. The last thing you want to do is get a promotion and not deal with a weakness. And now all of a sudden you have a promotion, your weakness is exposed, and you get demoted as fast as you got promoted. Yeah. You're, in the, you're in the pattern of singleness. 
You haven't worked out all your issues. The last thing you want to do is get married and have a bunch of weaknesses that you haven't dealt with. And now they start popping up right and left. That's going to make a very difficult marriage. It's hard enough when everything's got people, when people got stuff semi-straight. <laughs> oh my God, that's real ministry right there. I'm telling you, it's hard. You got sane people sitting in your office that can't get along. It's not like a bunch of crazy people out there, you know? Like people who really love Jesus and trying to do their best, and they look at each other and they're like, man, dude, if this was a team, I would have traded off a long time ago. <laughs> that's the reason why you remember marriage is a choice. You chose each other, amen? But that, that's real ministry. That's what happens. And those weaknesses begin to be exposed. And God is trying to take you and move you to the place. See, if, if we move on here, now let's move to the promise here a little bit. Because we want to realize that those are the things we have to do in the waiting. Our weaknesses exposed. Before we move on from that, think about this. The hardest season for any athlete is usually not the season they're in. It's the off season. Because it's in the off-season that they work on their weaknesses. That way, when they get on the field, they can have those weaknesses straightened out and win ballgames. Many times, it's too late to work on weaknesses when the game is going on. What you've got to do is create a plan, a strategy to work around those weaknesses. It's in the off-season. It's in those, those, those places behind the doors in the weight room when there's nobody on campus. All they do is get up at 4.30 or 5 and they go in there by themselves. It's, it's when you're running stadium seats by yourself. There's no 110,000 fans at Gaylord Stadium, but rather it's just you running up and down with a puke bucket at the bottom because you're trying to make it happen. And it's when those weaknesses are revealed... And you guys know what I'm talking about because you've had those and you've been in time where God's come to you and it's like, okay, I got that one right. Then something up springs, that something else springs up and you got to work on that for a little while. Then about the time you get that straightened up, you got something else. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's because God has you working on your weaknesses because he's about to do this, verse 31. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. He's getting you ready to mount up with wings like eagles. That word mount means to arise. It means to go from one place to the next. And God is trying to take you from one place to the next. But he can't take you from one place to the next because he knows that once he gets you to that place that you so long to be, if you don't have your weaknesses straightened out, if you don't know how to learn to worship in difficulty, if you don't learn how to do the work, right then that opportunity will be flushed away and he doesn't want to do that to you he wants to have you in that place and say listen we've worked on some things and we've got you to a place where you can function we got you to a place where you can worship when it's hard it's fun to worship with here anybody amen we got a great worship team it's lots it's amazing it's a whole nother ball game at 4 o'clock in the morning when you're on your knees and you're saying, God, I'm the only one in my living room and I need you now. But the position that God is trying to put you in is going to require those moments where you're on your knees and you're the only one worshiping. Where you're the only one working. Where you're the only one that seems to be around you that's really working on their weaknesses. How many has ever been caught in a relationship like that? So what do you do? You wait. Because those who wait on the Lord, He shall renew their strength. And then they will mount up like eagles with wings. They will arise to that next place. They will run and not grow weary. 
they will walk and not faint. I was going back over the story of Joseph. And I want to fast forward, really, to Genesis chapter 41. The story of Joseph, if you're not familiar with it, which many of you are. In Genesis, this young man is beloved by his father, and his brothers hate him for it. God gives him some dreams that he reveals a little bit early, and it turns backwards on him. Anyways, they wind up throwing him into this pit. They wind up selling him into slavery. He goes to a man named Potiphar's house as a servant, as a slave. Does extremely well there. Potiphar had a wife that was attracted to Joseph. Through a series of circumstances, he was falsely accused of sexual abuse that he did not commit. He was thrown into prison. It was there in prison that he began to rise among the ranks again as he served the people that he was serving until finally he found himself before Pharaoh because Pharaoh had two dreams that was given to him. And he, and, and he was the only one that could interpret them because he was known for dream interpretation. And after he goes through all that, I was looking at this scripture and I was thinking about his life. And, and of course, we've heard all the sermons, you know, from the pit to the prison to the palace, all these different things that we've heard. But I made a new connection for me this last time when I read the story because I began to really account everything that was going through. So he was thrown into the pit and he was going to die. And they said, we can't kill you. So we're going to sell you to slavery. So he's pulling up out of the pit, sold into slavery. And then about the time he got everything working together in Potiphar's house, he got accused of something he didn't do. He didn't do. Then he was thrown into prison, which is actually referred to the pit in Scripture as well. And then all of a sudden he interprets a dream in Scripture he's forgotten about, and now he finds himself before Pharaoh. And this entire time, you see Joseph getting equipped to do what God had called him to do. But the circumstances around him, if you were just looking at the pure physical, you'd be lost and say, how in the world does that work? But the whole time, his spirit man was the one that was arising. Are you going to stay bitter at your brothers? Are you going to hold it against them the rest of their life and the rest of your life and, and let that keep you from advancing, Joseph? Or are you going to go into the house of Potiphar and go ahead and have integrity and do the work that's necessary? And regardless of being a slave, being in a place you don't want to be, being in a foreign land, regardless of all that, you're going to find a way to worship God. And he worshiped God through his actions because how many of us know that God's found in the integrity, amen? God, that's where God is found. Then about the time that, you know, he, he would have been known, some things would have been happening, now he's back in prison again. See, he was serving Potiphar before, and because he served Potiphar so well, he had the blessing of God on his life, because Scripture says that everything in Potiphar's house was blessed because of Joseph. So in a lot of ways, now he was being blessed by somebody who could bless him. Now all of a sudden, he finds himself in a prison... Are you going to serve now people who cannot bless you and still serve them with the same amount of integrity that you would serve somebody who could bless you? That's a good thought. Well, we know the end of the story that he does. He becomes the number one servant in the jailhouse. Even to the point that he interprets dreams. Pharaoh has the two dreams comes back 
says, is there anyone that can? A guy remembers and says, yes, Joseph interpreted one of my dreams. And this is what, this is amazing. Uh, Genesis chapter 41, verse 14. It says that as soon as they heard him, they went to the jail and pulled him from the pit, shaved his face, changed his clothes, and he was right before Pharaoh. And it's amazing to think, oh, you're going to love this, that the physical finally caught up to what had already been happened spiritually in his life. See, spiritually, he had been digging himself out of the pit. He had been ascending to where God was. Integrity, work, I'm going to find a way to worship. But the physical just hadn't got there yet. Then all of a sudden, he's standing before Pharaoh, and the physical has gotten there. Pharaoh looks at him, and he says, so you can interpret these dreams. I love verse 16. He looks at Pharaoh, and he says, It is not in me, but it will be from God that you'll find favor. Even in the moment that he could take the accolades and the rewards and his talents for himself, he has enough integrity to say, Oh, no, no, Pharaoh, you've got this mixed up. It's not me, but it's the Most High God. What a moment of integrity. What a moment to prove that his spirit had risen. Despite the circumstances, despite the difficulties, his spirit had risen to where he was at. Pharaoh looks at him and says, there will be nobody else higher than you. The only way you'll be higher, the only way I'm going to be higher than you is because I sat on the throne and you do not, but you can control everything. Question for us. What waiting period have you been in? What waiting scenario have you been in? Have you got lost in it? Because it's easy to do. We're all human. It's a marriage. It's a job. It's something that you tried to reach out and do, and it's just not working. Man, God spoke something to you a long time ago and said, hey, man, I'm going to do this in your life. Just be patient. And you're like, God, you spoke that to me, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. See, this doesn't fit with world theology. World theology says... If it ain't working, stop doing it and go do something else. Bible theology says, nope, sometimes you have to wait on me. This is the problem with many of us. We're in a hurry, and God is not in a hurry. God is sovereign, and He requires of us for our soul and our spirit to rise. So whenever we get to that place that He's ordained us to be, we are prepared to be there. Those moments of integrity. So I don't want you to lose your heart or be discouraged or be weary. Because in those moments, God will strengthen you. Because He is testing you to see what are you going to do with what you have. Because before I can give you more, i got to know that you can handle what I've already given you. Because if you can't handle what I've already given you, then I can't give you more because I'm not into destruction. He's into life and life abundantly. But it still doesn't make the waiting any less difficult. 
It doesn't make the waiting look any less unfair. Crying out for God's justice moves sovereignly. And we can be encouraged because He is. So we hold tight and we hold still and we wait. But what are you waiting on? Because whenever God gets through where He wants to take you, don't sacrifice that moment where we get to experience something supernatural that happens. Where we look back on the difficulties and we look back on the struggles and we look back on those times that we were honest when it was easier not to be honest, when it was easier to run away from God instead of running to God. And that moment that God is trying to get us to, that we feel like that eagle that's been mounted up on wings. We feel like, God, I could be here and I could run forever. God, I can walk through anything that's in front of me because I have you by my side. So don't stop in your waiting. Because God has that position in that place for you. You just have to trust Him. It took many, many years from Joseph. But could you remember, could you imagine that one point whenever Pharaoh, he's made it to the palace. And Pharaoh stands before him. Or he stands before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream and then Pharaoh says this. Well, is there any man in Egypt that can help us prepare for this famine. Dude, if I was Joseph, I'd be like, me, I can do it. <laughs> Remember, I did just help you interpret the dream. I mean, could you imagine that moment? That he still has to keep his composure and realize that if I'm not that guy, God still has a plan for me. Oh, but he was that guy. Could you imagine the human side of that? The robes going on. The ring's going on. Being put into that position where he feels like, I think the only people that are higher than me, the only thing that's higher than me is an eagle. And I think today I could soar with them. Don't sacrifice what God is trying to do for what we chase. So what are you waiting on? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.